Welcome to another edition of the Fit Professional One podcast. I'm just thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you for investing your time here today. I am in Fargo, North Dakota, on site for the first out of studio podcast for the Fit Professional One. It's going to be a blast. And I am so excited to have Pete Bolden and Pat Simmers with me today. They are alumni, both players, coaches, professionals based out of North Dakota State University, which is literally 80 feet from me across the street. And it is just a thrill to be here. So with that, what I'm going to ask is that both of you tell your stories. Why don't we start with Coach Simmers? Tell us about you. And then we're going to have a good time. (laughs) Which one do you want? Which one do you want? I want whatever you want to do. (laughs) I'll start from the beginning. Yes, sir. I was three pounds when I was born. So I've been fighting my whole life. <laughs> three to 300 is 10,000%. Yeah. If I'd have been a 10-pounder, I'd be half a pound. <laughs> I'm one of 12, grew up in a thousand square foot house. Good I had a bet to myself till I went to college, but been blessed. Had a, God gave me enough ability to get my college paid for. And, and I was just going to see how good I could be. And I think that's the real thing we talk about when, is to get people not to keep score, but to be as good as you can be, no matter what track you take. And North Coast State's been great to me. I played here. I coached in the late 70s, early 80s. I had three sons play here. And then I was a senior associate AD for 21 years. Yeah. Very seldom can you see organizations from every angle and still think they're great. And I still think North Coast State's one of the last bastions for young people yeah. where the team's more important than you are. Yeah, you guys sold me. I want my grandkids to go here. <laughs> the hard work and the, all the things that you want your kids and your grandkids. I think my goal was always, I want my kids to survive in a world that's not fair when I'm getting involved. Yes, sir. And help them develop those skills. They're well-educated. They have good people skills. Great work ethic. They didn't get that anymore. You want them independent. You want them to be able to survive. Exactly. Uh, that's part of the solution. Yeah. So you're kind of modest there. You have some other things you did. You played multiple sports. I played multiple sports. I was a two-sport athlete at NDSU. Coached all over the country. Loved football. Got lucky. Right spot, right time. I tied up with a gentleman, Don Morton, who was just an inspiration to me and a great leader. And we brought the bar back. At- Tell us our listeners who Don Morton was, because not everybody's familiar with NDSU football, which we're going to get them there by the end of the podcast. <laughs> there you go. We started in the 60s, right? The 60s was when Daryl Mudra and Ronnie Earhart took us to the country limelight. And then we had a lull in there through the 70s. And then Don Morton came back. Jim Wacker started the transition. Don Morton came back and took us to the next level. And we played for four national championships in a row. Last game, I coached the Bison. We lost a national championship on a 52-yard field goal. Oh! We then went to the University of Tulsa for two years. He was the hottest guy in the country at that time. We ended up going to Wisconsin. And so I was the offense coordinator at Tulsa in Wisconsin. And great experience, great people, you know, had a lot of fun. We're very family-oriented. We like to drink beer. Yeah. And work hard and coach football, right? Oh. And, and so we had all the whole. Staff. We got to do that, right? Call up the, the herd and horns. Herd and horns. Absolutely. Across from the <laughs> campus. Cheers, everybody. And you know how the merry-go-round gets going fast, and you love who you're working with, and yep. you're in the big time, and you're having fun, and it's hard to get off. Well, Wisconsin gave us an opportunity to evaluate, and I had three sons. I hadn't seen them for 12 years. Back in those days, they were home. We were gone all the time. I was coaching, recruiting, or speaking around the country on option football. And so I decided to, that I was going to change my direction. It was more important to be a father than a college football coach. 
And I interviewed all over the country and ended up interviewed from Boston to San Diego, Atlanta to Seattle, ended up in Houston, Texas as an AD and a head football coach. Maybe the funnest thing I ever did was coach my kids. Oh, fun. Fortunately, they were good. They didn't screw up a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I could chew them out and they wouldn't tell their mom. Now she knows. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came home. My wife had MS for 44 years. She's, we worked through that with a commitment to keep her living. And God bless you. So she wanted to move home. So I quit coaching, which I never thought I'd do. Ran a manufacturing firm, sold egg equipment. Leading welders and fabricators and working with farmers is not a whole lot different than building a team in an athletic environment or an extracurricular environment. Yeah. Again, do the little things right, no matter what you're doing. Treat people well. Be honest in your... I've never been a good liar because I can't remember. So, <laughs> you just... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'll tell people the way you feel, the way it is. Sure. And that's what it is. So we've been back for 25 years. And then after the manufacturing sales in ag equipment stemmed, I ended up with the with the university again as a senior associate athletic director and ran our annual giving program and events. So I did the team makers, our scholarship fund, tickets, parking, KOD, summer events, all that. Just buys and through and through. For a guy that grew up in the Grand Forks, that's pretty good. Yeah, I bet. Because that, that's home. Did you really? But yeah. So, yes. Yeah, they're not they're in the hockey facility. Yeah. Someone's hockey can't touch so. You know, they're kind of they're kind of easy to pick on. I always said I was a suit fan until I reached puberty. Some of them never grew out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's outstanding. And I know if I was listening, of the four games played, how many did you win? The national championship. You know, only one. We got beat by Jim Wacker in the first one. Second game we didn't make it. We got beat by Kenny O'Brien out at Cal Davis. Third one we won. The fourth one was Georgia State. Right. I think. And Troy State. Troy State. It was Troy State. Troy State. State. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. they beat us 18-17 on a 52-yard field goal. Right. If the ball would have been on the other hash, they wouldn't have got it off. But in the game four years in a row is I can't wait to hear the foundational process, culture, everything you're going to talk about, about what made that possible. That's unbelievable. Congratulations. It's, it is an honor to be sitting here with you. Tom. It's been blessed. Yeah. A lot of great people. But I'm, sure. I brought levity to the staff. You can't figure that out, can you? <laughs> We're going to have more of that today. <laughs> So nice handoff to Pete. Pete, tell us about you. Okay, so I'm Pete Bolden. I grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I was a three-sport athlete throughout high school, football in the fall, wrestling in the winter, and track in the spring. And I was a sprinter. I was not a shot putter or anything like that. People look at you and say, you know, throwing the weights around. No, I was a sprinter. I was fortunate in the sense that my parents always taught us about hard work and responsibility. You know, my dad said to me, Pete, if you work 10% harder than anybody else, good things are going to happen. You know, so the expectation was you were going to always take the hardest classes and that would keep doors open. I was always good in sports, really good in sports, really good in football. And I remember training between my sophomore and junior year and meeting the husband of a relative at, who I held in pretty high esteem. And he said to me, he said, you know, you hit the weights hard, keep working out the way that you're doing might be able to go to college for free, which for me was a dream because the state of Wisconsin, certainly back in the day, but I think even today, Paul, the only scholarship school was Madison. And my two older sisters, my younger brother, went to UW-Eau Claire. They lived at home. We didn't have a lot of money. And that was sort of the expectation. 
you know, and I was determined to go away to school. So, you know, worked my tail off, ran, lifted, had good coaching, good teachers, et cetera, and had a couple of really good games my senior year. North Dakota State came through, saw my game film, and I could run, I could hit, I was tough, good athlete, good student, and they gave me a shot. And at the time, the pitch from Coach Joseph, Ross Joseph, was if you come to our school, you'll play for a national title. And so to have that put in front of you was incredibly energizing. And to even to be considered a part of that, to have a chance to even get a scholarship, to be the first kid in your family to go away to school, it was just tremendous. It was everything that I was hoping for. You know, I'd been trying to get into the service academies, this type of thing. Well, having North Dakota State was just a different way to come out with hopefully some type of a degree and a great future. I was in the first recruiting class, Coach Simmers, Coach Morton, Coach Jelseth, Coach Daly, Engel, et cetera. And uh, again, the pitch was, if you come here, you will win a national championship. And they went with a little bit of a different, I'm going to call it business process. Instead of bringing in a ton of kids on a third scholarship, North Dakota State started by really looking at film. They knew what schemes they were going to run, the defensive front, the off offensive front. And they brought in targeted players that were better athletes, either on full rides or two-thirds rides. And so, you know, that, that was a change. And by the grace of God, I had the athletic ability and physical skills that they had projected me as either outside linebacker and inside linebacker or a nose tackle. You know, I was never going to be a 6'1", 6'2", guy. If I stood on this barely off my heels, I cracked six feet, but I was tough as hell. And I'd always run and lifted, and apparently it's what they wanted. So I worked my tail off. Everybody worked the tail off. Like Coach said, we went through some pretty a pretty tough start in 1980. I can remember being 0-2-1, and, and we're bringing in the University of North Dakota, UND, the Fighting Sioux. They were the Fighting Sioux in those days, and uh, they were ranked number one in the country. And we had lost a couple of tough ball games, but doggone it, we thought we were pretty good, you know? And we beat them. We beat them here in Fargo. It shut the press down. All of a sudden, they got behind us. We got a tremendous tailwind, and we ran the table 10 in a row. And, well, we'll go into the detail of that first national, you know, that first run at the national championship. But I think – I wonder if you, were, oh, excuse me, if you remember Coach Coach's speeches after the first two buzz. We'll yeah, I think there was one coach, as we're I recall. Inspired. Is that the feed – follow or get the hell but I mean you know you look back on those kinds of things you know and you either come together and win and fight through it or you break apart and you're destroyed and so you develop character you develop mental toughness and that carries through your life you know and we'll go into more detail I was able through a couple of position changes and a lot of hard work to be able to earn a position as a starting inside linebacker which was amazing and I had a great 11 game run as a starter and then I had a career ending injury well North Dakota State did not leave me hanging these guys are high character they do the right thing and I transitioned from that having a devastating injury to being a student coach for two years and really having a chance to coach and get to know some absolutely wonderful athletes, which we may be able to cover during this time or not, but it just, these guys did it right, you know, and I continued to focus on school. They kept after me to keep current with my studies. And it just so happened that Coach Morton's wife, Susie's brother, was a general supervisor 
at AC Spark Plug in Flint, Michigan. And Flint, Michigan is where the Morgans and the, and the Morgans were from. And I was able to get an interview. Now that's all I got was an interview, but I prepped, knocked it out of the park and was able to get a job as an engineer at General Motors. You know, and from there, different careers and whatnot, and went to Europe. A lady that I met here at North Dakota State, married her, we went to Europe for a few years, we came back, I joined 3M, and I had a 32-year career with 3M, both in Seattle as a sales rep, and in the Twin Cities in key account management, international marketing, and business development in, in 32 years. And again, it all came full circle. It all came back to hard work, preparation, nose to the grindstone, positivity. The glass is never half empty. It's half full. And, you know, if God gives you lemons, you find some way to make lemonade. So in a nutshell, that's kind of my story. And it's awesome to be here today, Paul, with you. Coach Simmers, Paul was the captain of our high school football team, my junior year, his senior year. Just a tough kid. I loved playing across from him because he was so good with his footwork. I could read him as a guard and I was a linebacker. You know, the guards that weren't any good, you couldn't read. I could read him. You know, he took good steps. He put his head play side. You know, all that stuff you teach, Coach. He obviously has hit his athletic ability as well as you and I. <laughs> I would agree with that. Well, what's interesting, some more background for the listener, is it wasn't too long ago, and it's a nice segue from our mention of captain, is I believe that I take that role really seriously to this day. I actually feel a little broken up talking about it. But one of my guys named Pete Bolden, our guest today, said, I'm really passionate about Bison football. And, you know, I want to show somebody that. I want, it's so spectacular. And I like to get that word out. Would you come with me over here? I think we can have a fun time. And, oh, my God. I, I get to do the, I don't think I got to tell all the balls of the program, but we were in places that I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't get to go in the locker room and the sayings. He walked me out the tunnel. I didn't feel worthy. I, I mean, it was such a thrill. And I got so jacked up. And then after we go to have a beer and we meet this guy and I'm so inspired on the way home, I thought you were in the car on the way home because we rode over together with our wives and go to, I was just buzzing after talking to you guys. And, and at the time I asked Pat if he would do a podcast, and he kind of said, well, yeah. And he, I think he said, Pete, who is this guy? You know, but a, a big thing we want to do today is get the word out on what coaching is. And I personally think, and I could be wrong, but I have a hypothesis that tough coaching or intense coaching or coaching with intention that challenges people is kind of under the microscope and sometimes unfairly treated. And I reference it, we read some articles and stuff we're not gonna go into, but there is a book out there that's pretty prevalent right now called Do Our Things by Steve Magnus, great book. But he really spends too much time on Bobby Knight. And that's, I wanna make it clear, we're not here to justify what Bobby Knight did or anything, but that's not what we're talking about. And so coaching is, I don't wanna steal your lines, coach. <laughs> I wanna hand it over right there. What is good coaching and how does this ultimately for the listener, how can you use this in your life? And I'm such a proponent that athletics, most of us end up at high school level but it's so important in an overall and rounded education. And so how can we support that? But more importantly, the lessons we'll get today is how can we 
roll that into our careers where we're at now. So now we're just going to chit chat and drink beer. There's the business. The business is I've, done. I've got a story that comes right off that when we talk about tough coaching, true story, and is still in transition, right? As we speak, there's a young man, my first head football job at a high school in North Dakota. He plays football for me. He ends up playing in college and ends up coaching in North Dakota. And he was aggressive. He was a tough love coach. Verbiage sometimes maybe got a little raw, but he loved the kids. Loved the kids. And most of the kids loved him. I, I want to make sure I'm not using the wrong term, helicopter parents. Sure. Where Johnny needs to be happy and life <laughs> needs to be fair. And I don't know where you get that. Yeah. And so some of the parents rallied against him, got him put on probation, eventually got him fired. Oh, no. So then he comes back, he runs for the school board. So obviously there were some good, solid parents and kids that loved him. He runs for the school board. He gets on the school board. A couple years later, he's elected as president of the school board <laughs> and is now a state representative. And things are getting done. And they fired him because he cared too much for kids. Oh, no. Sure. He wanted them to be better. He wanted them to be successful. Sure. He yeah. wanted them to be as good as they could be. And likely understood what that took. Right? Yeah. Was he a little bit on the rough side? But he can't. 80% of those kids loved him. It's yeah. those that, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a, intensity is appropriate sometimes. It's contextual, right? For those watching, this might be the first time I ever finished mine first. It never happens, right, Coach? <laughs> One of the biggest decisions Mort, Don Morton made was that in North Dakota, in Minnesota, in the upper Midwest, in Texas, you can maybe get enough talent with a third of a scholarship. Sure. Up here, you can't because there's not that many. So you need to spend a little more. And so I recruited North Dakota. I was the walk-on king, right? And I was a product, and I believed in it, and I'd treat them like scholarship kids. And then they'd come and make it. And we had some third kids make it and walk-ons make it and make it pretty big, right? But the crux was to spend more money. The crux was to get more all-conference players. And how do you get more all-conference players? You spend more money. And so we reduced the number of kids on scholarship. We He developed a two-meal board. Because how many college kids have breakfast anyway? Yeah. So that gave us like two or three more full rides. Oh, nice. Because yeah. our wow. full ride, and it didn't matter how good you were, yeah. you got this, in scholarship terms, 0.83 instead of a point. 1.00. Yeah. So no one got breakfast, no matter where you were on our. So you had a box of cereal, or refrigerator, and some milk or yeah. in your room. And, and yeah. If you were, were a breakfast guy, yeah. you know. So we did a couple things there, but it really came down to tough kids and hardworking kids and kids that wanted to see how good they could be. And education was important. And I think all those things. And so we went out and he was the first class. And so we go to the transition. We were six and four and six and four. We thought we were going to be pretty good our third year in 1981. We go to Northern Michigan. And I was going to look up the quarterback's name. I think it was Tom Bertoldi. I think it was right before Mariucci. And we go to Northern Michigan and we think we're pretty good. We got beat 38 to nothing. Oh, no. That's right. And we have... We got our Dodgers out and we're watching off. And more, Don, Don Martin gets the coaches together and says, be positive. We're going to be all right. And we looked at him like, were you trying to get on the sideline? And we go in with our position groups in the locker room. And you say, hang in there. We're going to be all right. And they look at us like, you know, what, what game were you watching? But he was so spot on. 
they were really good. They were right. One in the country, Bertoldi, I think it was Bertoldi. Yeah, that sounds right. Coach. Had appendicitis attack getting on the plane going to the national semifinals to play WAC. So they play with their backup quarterback in a national. And Wacker was good, too. Southwest Texas. Southwest Texas. Hey, the Bobcats. Yeah. But so we go from that locker room. We come back. We have a great week of practice. The kids are focused. And, you know, they were very proud of that deal. So our next game is at Northern Arizona. We have a good game, good game, good game. We're down by five. We're on the seven-yard line, first and goal with 30 seconds left. We ended up fourth. <laughs> cool. Through that was pass interference. We thought it was pass interference, but so we lose by five to Northern Arizona in our second game. And I remember Mark went in the locker room. We're in the locker room. And he says, We're going to be all right. Again. And he said, This will not be our undertaker. It will propel us to the. And we come back. We have another great week of practice. We go to Northern Colorado, defending conference champions. That's right. Defending conference champions. We had a cutback play. We had a 57, I think a 60 yard touchdown run. We went 17 to 7. The referee knocked over the free safety on one of them. <laughs> so we went 17 to 7. But I had an article after the 0 and 2, I had an article for one of the regional newspapers who'd give a plug nickel for Don Morton's job. Right. Because we had the conference champion and the Nat number one team in the country our next two games. And we were six and four our first two years. That's not the bar at North Dakota State. That's not the bar. So I, I still have the article because was just, and so we lose the second one. We come back. We win seventeen to seven. We got our arch rivals at home, and they're good. And we go, and it's we're, we're up. We're up seventeen seven, seventeen fourteen. And I remember this: our quarterback Mark Nellermore again today. Medical might have pulled him off the field. Might have had a concussion. <laughs> oh no! So we're going in, and they had a great running back. He played pro in Canada. Wilson Jones for yes. years, right? Yes, yes. Um, Delamore comes out, you're not coming out. <laughs> we had a fourth and one out of five. They're fourth. We run a quarterback follow. He runs for a 40 yards touchdown. Oh, yeah. Doesn't know where he's at, but he runs. <laughs> he comes back, and now he's, I think he's a senior VP with four males. Was, you know, he's, he overcame so that. So he recovered. He recovered. That's good. He's just a um, great quarterback. Yeah. And, and so, we just and coach we ended up leaving in ourselves tough in that particular year. You know, we had Mullen quarterback, we had Kyle, we had Kevin Peters. So, like you said, it was like three, it's like having three fullbacks with just crazy quick feeds. We didn't, we didn't have a, we didn't have a person in the right in the backfield that could run out of sight. I mean, they were just but tough, yeah. And, so and we just kind of ground, ground through that ball, and we, we ended talked up, about it, right? Yeah, yeah let, let's run top ten. In a let's row. do that, Coach. Had two things that are really compelling that I hope the listener picked off already. One was you look for kids that wanted to be them. Yes. And the second thing you said is you look for kids that were tough already. Could you expand on those two things, please? Because I feel uh, that way. I feel that way as a boy. I'm looking for my version of that. You get in the media and it's all flashy. And when you really talk about successful people, they work through adversity. They work through tough times. They work through setback. They keep their chin down and they keep leaning forward. You know, what's the old adage is success is when preparation meets opportunity. I love it. Right? Yeah. And so if you're prepped, you got to be prepped and take advantage when the opportunity pops up. 
they don't pop up all the time. And so you just need to hang in there and hang in there and keep plugging and keep and work through the adversity and work through the yeah. pain and the bruises and the and if you hang in long enough, you're eventually gonna get like eventually. Yeah. So are you and, hard enough to hang in on? Let's peel back that onion because there's so much underlying that. How about the faith component? Faith that if I do the work, I'll get the opportunity. Isn't that an well, important piece? I, oh, I, I think what's gonna, the coach's report? How do you maintain it when you're not? I thought, again, with Coach Martin, I have the utmost respect. Again, I think he's a brilliant guy. He was Red Microsoft's second largest campus for 20 years, so he has a little bit on the ball, right? Isn't it interesting, the success of NDSU grads, baby? Everybody, you remember that. Coach Martin, you know, after being done coaching college football, becomes the EVP at Microsoft Great Plains Software. I mean, with with that kind of leadership. Your athletic program and NDSU, all the student body, it's a little nugget of value that I hope the listener spreads the word. This is a fantastic environment. It, it is. And it's so impressive. And it just, I'm going to recruit you. This yeah, place, it's, it's a land grant college and salt of the yeah. earth and work ethic. And yeah. No, you, you, it, it, it's another thing that explains that, right? And I think. Football's easy. We haven't forgotten who we are. We're Upper Midwestern, right? We're farm kids. We're big. We're tough. We rush the football. We play great defense. Don't make mistakes. You know, we just the things that the foundation that creates success, no matter what industry you can do. Brilliant, brilliant on the basics. Do all the little things right. When I talk to you about you're tough before you're good. Love it. You do this toughness thing. Yeah. Never jump off sides. Never go the wrong way. Never fall on the ground. These kids couldn't go out of sight in a week. They never went the wrong way. They never jumped out of sight. They never put the ball on the ground. Right. Now hard to stop. So you get tough. And then we go through that 81. And I always say we never coached our best. We got 82 might have been our best coaching job. We were 11-0 and we were not very talented. 83, we won it. 84, we were good. Didn't love the national championship. And we didn't even coach our good teams. I think we had 18 starters back for two years off that. And they won the next two national championships after we left. Right. So, yeah, I think it's all those building, but it's about how do you build an organization? How do you build an industry? How do you, as an entrepreneur, how do you start a business? It's being tough and doing the little things, cross the T's, not the things you, that most people don't think are important. They're the foundation. How do you build a great house? I think too, Coach, you know, part of the vision was if you come here, you will win a national championship. So that first year, we were, we were, we were, we were I, well, you know what? I'll tell you what, but, you know, later on, but, but, but you, but you, but you believe that. Okay. So you, so you come to North Dakota State and that, remember that first year, we were still in the transition from bringing that kid on a third of a ride to better athletes. Okay. So we had, you know, Mark Spurls, quarterback, just, Lights up, great, great athletes or whatever. But still, when we were six and four, some really great things. But there were things that you noticed, like a lot of us coming in were as strong or stronger than a lot of the seniors. So they had already sort of upgraded, you know, so you could see that. We went through a lot of tough times. I mean, when I think of how, you know, that first year of 80 was really tough. I remember running so many sprints or whatever. I remember going through spring ball that spring. And then in that fall, they introduced interval training. And the guys, the coaches said, you're never going to run another sprint. Now we want you to be full on goal during the entire practice. Oh, and by the way, on defense, if you're not in the frame, when the play is cut, you get a minus. It doesn't matter if you scored a touchdown. So you start to reprogram yourself because the expectations are very clearly articulated. 
Okay. And these guys are getting smarter. They've got an open-minded training. All of a sudden, we're never going to run out of gas again because we don't have legs. We're going to be smarter. We're going to do things. We're going to get into routines when we travel. So even if it's an away game, 75 miles up the road at UND, we're going in on a Friday to get our practice in because we have a routine. We're going to stay in a hotel. No, we're not going to drive up game day on Saturday. These were all things that Mort and the coaches figured out. And we, with that repeatability, and you just knew what to expect. So it made the buy-in easier. So even as tough as that first year was, and even being 0-2-1, and, and I remember some really tough articles in the Fargo Forum. We knew we could do this. We knew we were good. We just run into a couple buzz saws and we were young. You know, Mo had waited two years. We had a bunch of baby bison and we just started to stack things up. You know, me personally, coming off an injury or whatever, I'm playing special teams. I'm getting more and more time all the time. My roommate hang close, same thing. We're playing more and more, you know, and sophomores, true sophomores, and we're believing in some of our really good sophomores, something like the Mike Stratton's, just beasts. They're playing, you know, right away, natural, normal sophomores and whatnot. And we start stacking the wins. And the guys that buy in keep getting better and better, you know. And we make it to McAllen, Texas. We're holding our own against Southwest Texas State. Well, guess what? It was 90 and 90 that day. It was 90 yeah. degrees out with 90% humidity. And it was, well, and we had a with us. And it was minus 20. When we left Fargo, you know, and we muffed a punt. And then all, all hell broke loose, you know. Yeah. And it was tough. But we knew we had arrived. And that's, Paul, when you really buy in. That's when you take everything to even the next level. So, for example, you go into winter workouts. You have all the three weeks off. You come back to Fargo in the dead of winter. And you're starting out winter workouts. Well, I'm going for a national championship. I'm switching to inside linebacker. And guess what? I'm going to outwork. I'm going to try to outwork everybody in that waiver. I'm going to try and outwork everybody in my position. Because you know what? I'm only 5'11 and a half. And I've got studs that are 6'2", 6'3", 6'1". I'm never oh. going to be that. So I have to play perfect technique. And I have to be strong. And people pick up on that. And your teammates pick up on that. And it's like a snowball effect. Multiplier. Multiplier. Exactly. Intensity multiplier. I, I think the coaches even the other, feel that. You know, on the other side, with watching this class come in, we had some kids, and, and we the whole two-meal board deal, we had some skilled kids that were really good players because they're easier to come and develop. Our line was not. You need to spend more money on linemen to get some decent ones. Now we don't have to because they're all NFL. They walk out and they're NFL, so we don't need to spend money on them <laughs> We have the recipe here in Fargo going. But I recall Excellent. I recall this. Fargo is special. When all you have is you have great kids with some ability, but you get to be a fourth and fifth senior. If you stay on that two-meal board deal or the walk-on deal, they're never good enough to beat these guys out. And what I distinctively recall, the competitiveness of his class raised the level of those upperclassmen. It did. Huh. He's trying to take my job. Yeah. So the, the, value, the, the value of the depth chart play. It, it created it a sense of urgency. Job. 
hope, yeah. hope she took it. This is no longer status quo. This is no longer, I get to play as a junior and a senior because I'm a junior or a senior and there's not enough talent behind me. And, and as coaches, when your depth chart players are kicking ass like that, that must be. To watch, that must be to watch them motivate the older guys. When the younger guys are motivating the older guys. Again, that's transitional. And it's part of the success, right? It, yes. Oh, it was, Fundamental. And I, and I think, Paul, i got to say this because it, I will never forget it. So it's 1983. We win it all. Okay, we're taking a knee after the game. You know, we thank God nobody got injured or whatever. And then Coach Morton, I don't remember this, he apologized to us. He said, you guys, I need to apologize to the seniors. And we're looking at him. What the heck? We just won the national title. He said, I should have redshirted every one of you. You know, we were true fourth-year seniors. I don't think these guys knew exactly what they had. But to your point, Coach, thank you for that. That makes me feel really good. We bought in. We believed. And we raised ourselves up. And I think you're right. Because of the characters and the quality that we recruited. Age didn't matter. No. No. And you got to be with the heart of it. You got to expand on that. Because that's so significant. The things you said you look for, the attributes you brought in. He's a crazy man on special teams. Crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah. yeah. He hits. He's a he hitter. Can, he runs out and knocks a dog out of people. <laughs> so he's already forced. We're in our third game, and I think he's forced three fumbles already on special teams, right? Comes in my office. He says, Coach, I'm a senior. Yeah. I want to start. His name was Johnny Depp. And I said, Johnny? So my job is to give this crew as good opportunity to be successful as I can. And I said, you have a role to play and you have a more important role. You can win more games on special teams than you ever can as a starter. And you need to embrace that and you need to take that. And this kid, on kickoffs and punts, he was nuts. He would run down and just knock the dog out of him. I think he had 11 forced fumbles at the end of the year. Oh my God. Right? Let me just go down and blow him up. So, a call out to number 83 on the Aves, who we used to chant his number. He knows who he is. So, we went that year, and you know, you always have your MVP plaque hanging on the wall, and your MVP defense, your MVP offense. We created the most valuable special teams player, and we called it the Johnny Denton Award. Oh, wow. What an honor. Yeah. And he would come in every year to see who won it. Oh, that's so cool. And I mean, when you talk about employees or teammates or being as good as they can be and at their role and accepting their role instead of pounding and not helping. Here's a kid that didn't hear what he wanted to hear and bought in and he trained. And, and contributed to the mission. Of contributed to the significant yeah, yeah. I bet those receiving teams were not Might. looking forward to that kid. In my years there, it was not a great football job. It was middle-class white in Houston. It was a great day-to-day -day job. Great school, great kids, you know, great facilities. But it just, he got in. We needed it. We won the only district championship in the school's history. Wow. I looked at some of your prior podcasts, and Johnny Denton just came to, you need leadership at every level. You don't need it at, you need it at the top, but you need it at every level. Yes. And what is that? And here's Johnny. Describing Johnny Zetton's a leader, not on the top of the pyramid, but through the role, through execution of the role. He accepted. He accepted. Yeah. So there's his position in this organization. He brings honor, dignity, respect, character to the role. 
and understands the role within the organization. And when I execute that my best, when I execute the role my best, how it propels the organization forward. That's an excellent crossover to the... Or my teammate, you know, I'm not pouting. I'm not making a stink, but I am making a difference. And that energizes people that, Coach, to your point that, you know, maybe they don't have the skill sets to be the starter, but you know what? They can knock the socks off the guy across from them, covering that punt, blocking, covering that kickoff. You know, whatever the case is, we all have a role to play. Was it 19... What did you tell me, an 80s? It came in an 80s, Coach. The upperclassmen hated because we had this freshman class that was care. Well, how old they are? How many kids played? We had this freshman class who's going to come and kick your butt every day. You're a scout team. Yeah. You're going to line up and you're going to kick your oh, butt. Shit. Yes. Day. And they hate them. But, and what I talked about, they raised their level. That's, raised the bar. We, yeah, you know, you're right. I think about that, too, because jacking people, because we wanted to get the hit of the week because we're all playing scout team. You know, and these seniors are really upset that, you know, these kids are coming in and just knocking them around. Well, we learn quick. Okay. That's Monday and Tuesday are hard. Okay. Wednesday, we're going to back off. They're getting screamed at. Okay. Thursday, we're letting them beat us. Okay. <laughs> and and you're right, Coach. That's how it was. And Paul, we, the people here, we went to homecoming last year. We ran into Coach Simmers at Chubb's Pub. So shout out to Chubb's Pub as well. And I ran into Ken Muck at her. And Muck, talked about, he said, Pete, you know, you helped me understand the role of scout team, where again, I we taught those kids, we're going to burn, we're going to burn the starters, we're going to make the starters look like hell on Monday and Tuesday, and then we got to back off, because, you know, they've got to get some confidence by Wednesday that they've turned the corner, and Thursday they walk on water. That was just sort of, Coach, our secret, but he always said to me, man, that meant so much to me, I could put it in perspective. And Paul, I guess it was just the articulation of what the class of 80, you know, the recruited class of 80, we just kind of learned. We didn't care. We were going to beat those seniors, you know, and there were some of the things like when we came in before our class, underclassmen didn't sit with the juniors and seniors in the lunchroom. Well, man, they, you know, the Joe Barneses of the world, for example, they were the sophomores. They invited us. So you had kind of turned the corner, I think, coach with the Nellermos and the barn doggers and, and started to raise it, you know, the schlucks things. And then but they were here. They were they, here. They were, but they, 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 were they, they decided, you know what, this is bullshit. We're going to, this is about winning. And they opened the doors to us. I remember Hank Close and I sitting down with the seniors like, can't believe you did. Screw that. And we just did. So, so the action as a depth chart player started to change the culture. I mean, that's that's really Well, cool. I think the culture was all there. We just didn't have okay. the God-given ability, right? It's not that those kids didn't want to win and they didn't want to be good. Okay. We just didn't have enough players. Yeah. We didn't have enough all-conference players. Yeah. Let's that's focus cool. on the results. Let's not focus on the BS. This is about winning. Nothing all- else matters, Paul. Yeah. You know, and by all conference, you're referring to their high school level. No, no, they're no, referring to college. Play at CC, baby. Well, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand. You only know, have enough all conference. So you raise the talent. That doesn't mean you're all conference in high school. We don't, right? right? And we did it at Tulsa. We did it at Wisconsin. We were not going the paper and look at the top hundred or top five hundred recruits in the country. We were knocking on doors, building relationships with coaches, getting them to trust us. We're going to take care of your kids. Yeah. They're going to have an opportunity. It's just how do you build an organization successful over a long term? There's short term ways. It 
don't last very long. I was going to ask the attributes you laid out before about the kids you brought in, including the class of 80, how'd you find them? And you started that right now by the relationships with the coaching staffs and stuff. What else would validate for you as a recruiter that the kid had? We started on film. We'd go out, Chris Brew. Yeah. That's a really good story. Chris Brewer is an undersized guy from Wausau, Wisconsin. And so we'd go, I'd hit 10 schools a day. Ross Gelseth, he was a maniac. And I was not going to let him get to more schools. I was not going to let him be the only one that worked, right? And that was kind of our staff, right? No one wanted to be the dog on our staff. Not much different than our player. No one wanted to be the dog. So expectation. I'm running, but Ross Gelseth raised the bar on my work ethic on that getting up and going and getting to 10, 12 schools a day. And wow. you talk to big and schools, if they right. get, you know, your normal recruiters, if they get four, they think they're working really tough. Yeah. And so you get that, you build relationships. If you, I don't know if you know, Mount Carmel oh, yeah, in Chicago, yep. stopped there every year. And the head coach, Franklin, he goes, Pat, I appreciate you. I said, hey, when that's, and we had all big 10 linebackers. <laughs> 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 what I was there with Travis? Yes. Because of that relationship. And okay. so that's still what it's all about. And I think we did that. We went out, but I'm out with Chris Broom. I'm out with Chris Broom. He's undersized. He's a weightlifting maniac. Yeah. yeah. He's, 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 no, he's a maniac, whether he's a weightlifter or not. I am sitting in my room watching film and I'm going, this guy is nuts. And he does not have an offer. I'm actually taller than him. And I thought I was the shortest guy yeah. in the recruiting class. He was actually shorter than me. Brought him in and he's talked about those intangibles, those the toughness, the work ethic. The, you know, Pete was in there also. He's not lying when he was that was what built him. But we had a class in that. But I think of those two guys were maybe the leaders of the field. Wow. You're very human for you. Yeah. We had Hank Close from Cross Central. So Coach Jelseth got Hank and I. And I remember Paul, Hank Close beat us on a kickoff return at Carson Park. We got beat 19 to 12. We ended up six and three, and that was not good enough to make the playoffs. Central went at seven and two. And Hank is this crazy athlete. And what's really amazing, Coach Simmons. So by the grace of God, Coach Burkle is asked to be a coach at the Shrine Game. Okay, the head coach was the head coach of Lacrosse Central, Sam Martano, Dave Martano. And sure enough, here's Hank Close, this guy that beat us. And we're roommates. And Chris Broom. And a kid from Merrill, Pete, I can't think of his last name, Big Bell Drink of Water. You would have recruited him. We called him Fonzie. Or not Fancy Fonzie, Patsy from Happy Days. Pete, I'll think of his name after, we, after we're done with the podcast, Coach. Anyway, here's all these guys in, in Oshkosh at the Shrine Game, and we're all going to North Dakota State. So we are underdogs. We are underdogs. The South has got all these great athletes. And I remember we go to Lambeau Field, and we meet the South team, and we're the North and we meet, he talks to the South, and then he talks to the North team. Then he pulls us aside, and he says, guys, I know you're not favored, but I think you can go out there, and I think you can kick some ass. Well, coach, and we did. And honest to goodness, I think that and the whole North Dakota State thing, it just snowballed, you know? And when I think about it now, coach, back, you know, it, during those five years that I was involved with the program, it just built, every class was stronger. And it's like, it's the momentum and the expectation. And, okay, we win in 83. Our heart's broken in 84. You guys go down to Tulsa. Coach Salmonson gets the team. He wins two or three in a row. 
Okay, and then I think Rocky gets it, and then we kind of fall off the map. And then it isn't until Coach Bowl in the early 2011, 2010, um, something like that, and then the ball rolls, and here we are today. Know, We're just trying to think, Coach. But that's when he started winning. We had a tough spell from, what, the mid-90s to probably we, the – We level. Right. I don't know if I, I mean, call it tough Yeah, spell, right? yeah. I mean, most level. college teams weren't like everybody else. We're not playing for the title. Oh, wow. Again, 64 doesn't work. No. Right. You, 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 win the NCC, you win the Missouri Valley Conference. That is an expectation at, you know, at a minimum. I played in the four years that I played. We were eight and two every year. We won the league three out of four years, and we weren't very good because we came out of national championships in 65, 68, and 69, and we weren't very good because we only won the conference well, that's how it was. And that's yeah. the expectation. Yes. Yeah. You know, Coach, one thing that I was just, just remembering. So we're there as – we're now a sophomore. I think we're sophomore. And we go into spring ball. You so, remember better than me. I'm yeah. Old. No, I'm old. Old. As I think about this, you guys, so there was a championship room, yeah. okay? And you had to be a championship. You had to be a champion in you order – to be on the wall. On that wall to be allowed into that room. Yeah, okay. that's one. And of that door, no, because you're not. Yeah, you're, 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 you all had to stand you outside. Know, and listen, I didn't even look at it. You looked at it. I didn't care. I didn't feel worth it. Right. And no, but while we're thinking about it, shout out to Tom Buckethead Shockman Shocker. for setting up that stadium tour. Oh, that was uh, excellent. Coming. Thank you. It, 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 Thank you. Tom and, and, and Karina, love you guys. Anyway, so if we didn't win as sophomores, that room was going to be closed. And that room had never been closed in the history of North Dakota State, or so we had been told. And that was another motivator. I was, we were not going to be a part of that. That was not within the realm of possibilities. Now you understand my nickname in college was Mr. Intensity. Because, you know, you, when you wear your harness thing, but in a game like football that is so physical and so emotional, especially on defense, you got to breathe. And to be a part of this, I was going to be damned if I was going to not be allowed into that room. We had to keep that door open. The shame, the embarrassment, Coach, if that door had been locked. I can't speak for the other guys in my class, but I remember taking that to heart thinking, this cannot be. Did she come back? I mean, just to... Uh... Kind of just get a, the best atmosphere for NDSU in general. You know, we've got stuff from all sports up as well as just faculty and staff things. It's just, you know, everything green and gold, bison-related in general. Owned uh, by former players? Owned by former players, owned by alumni. You're bound to see the president's in here two, three times a week, eating with his wife or whatnot, or meeting faculty and staff over here. So a lot of just familiar faces, uh, a lot of regulars, a lot of just NDSU, good community people things of that nature well what is it like here on a football week crazy saturdays are saturdays are nuts you're not here when we unlock the doors you know if you have a chance so you might not get a table like it's pretty packed yeah and then especially after as soon as tailgate if you don't leave tailgate early like you're not going to get served like it's like it's probably a little exaggeration yeah still come absolutely like it's but no we get people that are just it's standing room only like you know, you got to come up to the bar and whatnot. So it's a really good atmosphere. It's a really good crowd. You got between alumni returning, former players, uh, you know, current students, all that stuff. It's a really good atmosphere in general of people coming in before the game, then they go to the game, and then people coming in after tailgate to watch the game. So it's just a really good atmosphere all around.
we really appreciate the way you've treated us today. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Been excellent. Like it's great. Yeah. Don't miss this place when you come to Farley. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Okay. We have had a really fun conversation. Let's go. We, we gotta we gotta bring the element of all the things you guys have shared back into how we can use it in the private sector. And when we were off camera, we had some really nice conversations. So if you guys can just pick that up again, what you're talking about being in the manufacturing sector and all of the above. I mean, just, we're having a ball here. Let's just rock and roll. Let's you know, I was a football coach for 22 years at all levels and really never thought I'd do anything but. And then when our oldest son went from Houston, Texas to North Dakota State, my wife says we're moving home. And our middle son was on most everybody's recruiting list. And I said, I'm not moving him unless he wants. And here's what our middle son says. He goes, Dad, if it's good for you and the family, I'll be fine. Wow. As a 17-year-old. And so we moved back and he was a little frustrated. It was like he was an all-state player in Texas and he got to North Dakota to come play anymore. And he was the player of the year in North Dakota. So he ended up, he had committed to Rice, and then my wife's health had started to decline, and he visited our engineering department, and he says, well, I can get an education here at, and NDSU. at NDSU, and yeah. I, can be by, I can be with my family and see my mom and do all that, and so he came, and it let us help extend. All three boys played. They're all mechanical engineers. He was a 398. The dummy was the... The dummy was a three seven five. He had a B in the semester. <laughs> there are a lot of semesters I never had a B. Wow. So congratulations! We're very proud of their great. And I used to say young men. They're not that young anymore. They're they're part of the solution. So tell us about that. What's this part of the solution mean? Great work ethic, family oriented, people skills, some native intelligence. Again, I think native intelligence is over over exaggerated on tying it to success. It's more about those other things. It's about some work ethic and about some people skills, you know, and hanging in there and working through the adversity and keeping your chin down and understanding that life's not fair and work through it. Okay, can you, what will you describe? Well, I told you about that. My yeah, go ahead. happiness is a euphoric state that goes by on occasion. Yeah, like a signpost. And if you hang in, whether you're married, job, kids, there's euphoric times that are just memories, that are just times in space that you'll never forget. They come and go. They come and go. The rest is life. And life can be hard. Can you expand on keep your chin down? I love it. Please expand on that for us. I, that's a youthful metaphor, I think, for a lot of professionals. I think no matter what industry, no matter what you're doing, you have bad days and you have two choices. I can quit and go home or I can put my chin down and keep leaning forward, lean into the storm, yes. lean in. Happiness will come back. And that was clearly part of the culture for the vice. So how did you ever have a kid or did you have a kid that wasn't all the way there and how did you keep them all the way there to lean in? Because that sounds like a skill every athlete leaves North Dakota State University with. Am I right? Everybody and everything. I don't yeah, it's too much. Not everybody has the same experience. I think we're the last bastion where the team is more important than you and where you learn those skills to be tough and to keep working and to reach your goals. There's only one way to reach your goals. And, you know, it's that old when preparation meets opportunity. Some people call it luck. You might call it success, winning. You, you can call it. The end product is whatever when preparation meets opportunity. 
you can call that whatever you want. Right. Yeah. I would say, Coach, just along those lines, if you can prepare, if you can put the time in to get ready, to prepare, when the opportunity presents itself, you are able to win. And somebody was, you're so lucky. Well, you take the hardest classes. You don't mess around. You, you're serious about your studies. You're serious about your school. You're serious about all those things. It creates opportunities, you know? It's leaning in. What is tough? I because I... Yeah, Both of you guys, I want you to expound. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, you know, I, I did not mean to interrupt, but no, no, it's, it's get back to. I mean, you yeah. said tough a bunch of times as a characteristic that is foundational. So, what is it? First of all, what the hell is tough? Keep a new chin though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think we had a formula of the type of person we were on to recruit. Recruiting is not an exact science, and so not everybody had the passion that Pete had. Right. But if you bring in some marginals, they fool you in the recruiting process, or they have enough athletic ability that you maybe take a little risk, they come in and they raise their level because of the people in the program, or they leave because being as good as they can be is not in their wheelhouse, right. it's not in their makeup. It's not on their goal chart at that point because the expectations are high to right. be as good as you can be. Right. Again, I'm not about putting numbers on it. Again, Johnny Denton was the best special teams guy I ever saw. <laughs> he was yeah. the best. Yeah. So I believe that there's a paradigm and it's so complex what we're talking about. Actually, I try to simplify it actually. I don't think it is. <clears throat> was saying, okay, good. I'll stop right there. Tell me why it's not complex because I need to learn. You asked about tough. Yes. Tough is when you meet adversity. Instead of backing up or folding the tent, you put your chin down and you lean in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You put your chin down yes. and you lean in. Yes. Yes. You, and you might have to be on all fours. It's really yeah. tough, right? I mean, and, and that covers so many things. You have loved ones passing away. You know, when we talk about athletics and the things you learn in athletics carry over so much. And again, for a young person, football, band, basketball, whatever there is, is the core of their life at that point in time. And so we can't diminish how important it is to them. But at the same token, we can use that to help them prepare for a life that's not always fair. Because at that point in time, as a 16-year-old yeah. football player, that's your life. Yeah, it's I'm, important. On the way over, we use the term kind of embrace the suck. You're going to give me a new line. Yeah, yeah no, it is. It's, it's, there, there's going to be aspects in your life that are going to be uncomfortable. Yes. It could be downright painful, okay? But you know if you can get through that, there's light at the end of the tunnel, okay? You know, you, you run that 300-yard shuttle run as a freshman, okay? And you have trained. You have put the work in. And you're able to do it. And there's people around you that didn't train for it, that are throwing up, that are flat on their back. And when these guys sent me that workout, well, of course, I'm going to get ready for it. And no, I'm not going to make the linebacker time. I'm going to make the running back time because that's hard work. That was an interesting you, you know, piece that Mark came up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a toughness check in a 
conditioning test that you didn't think was that hot. On paper, it doesn't look that hot. It's it when, when you do it. So you should do 560s, Paul. Get more, uh, where he got it, I don't know. 560s. I, I did 560s, 560 hard dashes in under 42 seconds. Wow. Okay. And I, I remember waking up the next day over here at the high rise and Dakota Field, now it's a soccer stadium, okay, is lit up. Let's, and I'm waking up at 6 a.m. And the guys that didn't make time, there's Coach Moore running them. Running them. Oh. And they're on their hands and he's crawling. A mile in the morning. Yeah, that's six the before practice. You know, that's tough. I think there is going to be some discomfort. Paul, you can relate to this. Coach, I know you certainly can. I remember getting out of football games and you got chunks of meat out of your hands. And you don't know how it happened. You know, or you get a finger caught in an ear hole. And you don't know how it happened, you know, but you'll figure it out. I mean, there's that focus. So how do you translate that to every day? Well, I think two stories here, okay? Number one, I'm going to start with the football story. I don't know, Coach, if it was our second or third year. And, you know, we had had a series of goals on defense. But you guys did a great job. Was Coach Daly, I'm not sure, that basically said, if you guys win the scoring defense title, we will be national champions. So all this other stuff, and it was important, no Sweet. explosive plays, no rushes beyond 10 yards, uh, you know, four oh, fumbles, blah, blah, blah. Three other measures. Very important. Yeah, I don't want to minimize those. But statistically, there was one. You need to lead the nation in scoring defense. And the year we won it, I think we gave up. It was under it was like 6.9 points or something. Something ridiculous. But we knew if we did that, we're going to win. Yeah. So I think as business people, as business leaders, if you can boil things down to their basic components, that's going to help everybody. Your newest employee to your veteran. And sometimes your veterans may have the idea. You know, it took me a while, for example, in my last assignment at 3M, very complicated business. Okay. How am I going to blow out my forecast? Because for me, my sales forecast was the national championship. That's how I had to figure it out. I'm a very, like coach says, you know, he doesn't tell a lot of lies because he can't remember me either. It's way too complicated. Just, just focus and go. Well, well, that's such a pragmatic okay. way to look at things. It, it, to make that crossover is here's what that goal was. Here's the equivalent where I am now. Right. And so so I'm going to, I'm going to apply all the lessons I've learned. Right. And you distill it down to his favorite components. So for me, for example, the number one thing, again, you talk about Kotler's was it four piece, five piece, I forget. But one of them is product, having the product available. Well, I ran an OEM business at 3M, okay, where I'm supplying manufacturing, okay? Well, that manufacturer is not going to buy from me if I'm on back order because I'm already more expensive. My stuff's really good. And they believe it. And the end user believes it. But if I'm on back order, nothing else matters. So how am I going to hit my number in the middle of COVID, in the middle of all this massive change? Well, I am going to go over the wall if I need to make sure I always have product. It's kind of the basics, Coach. Before you, you know, you're playing any sort of combination zone or man-to-man, -man, can you run? Can you block? Can you tackle? Life is very basic. You know, if you're going to win, you've got to have all the basics down and all this other stuff will flow. If you built relationships, which you obviously that can be a base through Absolutely. that, and they yes, trust, yes, you can say we're in a bad spot, right, and not lose accounts. 
Yeah. Amen. Because we, you, we've hit a built relationships. They trust. Me. Yes. Uh, I'm going to get you out of Everything you always oh, got about me. And I prided myself in not telling a kid. I said, recruiters, they're full of crap. I said, but mine's good crap. <laughs> because there will be nothing that happens that I don't tell you. It's going to be the way I say it. And that's integrity and, it, and character. And if I offer you, you're offered and we're not taking it away. Right? Yes. Which happens. All the time. Yeah, and so I think that it's all, it's about relationships. It's about, yeah, it's just, and how do you? And, and what's so interesting well, about I had NDSU football is those attributes roll forward. You guys are, you guys are alums of the program and they still do it according to other conversations that we've had. And it's the. That's what I'm proud of as a long time alum, as a player, student athlete, as a coach. As a parent and as administrator, wow. they haven't forgot what's really important. The core. What's really important. Yes. Paul, let, 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 right. let, let me put it to you this way. Wow. I had my right ankle destroyed. I happened to be mid-stride. I landed full weight on my right foot, and I had my leg chopped. The foot stayed on the ground. The small bone shattered in six pieces. The big bone cracked and blew off the top of my foot. So when they carried me off the field, the only thing holding my foot physically to my body was skin. Skin and flesh. Everything else was gone. Wow. Okay. Now, these guys, they were supportive. They gave me all the time and support I needed to rehab. And they said to me right from the get-go, no matter what, we're here with you. And they didn't have to do that. By NCAA rules, you guys could cut me loose. That's so the integrity and, and values of the program, I'm not going to name names, but I'm aware of another program where a young person broke their back and they weren't only not taken care of and isolating the fractures of parts five, I'm getting that wrong, but, but it's a common injury because of squatting and that kind of thing. Ridiculed the young man as far as not being able to run around track and ended up making him sign a release so that he was not taken care of in the long term. And guess what? That whole administration has been replaced. And so the delegated authority to that administration to administer their re human resources was thrown. They were just thrown out. They were the opposite of what you just said. Which is why Florida State University state. has been perennial over time. You just described a similar injury that in, they kept you. They oh, kept you in the program. They, they made you a, a player. Oh, and they, they, the takeaway for the listener who is not in athletics, right, is when you guys talk, you're 3M. You're in manufacturing. We talk about, and now sales and all those things, is there's foundational principles that have to maintain to take care of people. And when you throw them under the bus, Who's going to go to that university? That's why North Dakota State is so great. And, you know, as far as we can reach with this podcast, this, I'm telling you, the old come here, come here. But there's integrity here. There is. There's honor here. There, there, there there's is. character. They paid for two years of school, Paul. Wow. So I could get a bachelor's degree. I got five years of school. They, they, they made the young man I'm referring to sign release to get out of the program. No. And I won't say who it was, but it was a Big Ten program. I sat on a beach and read a book. It was a boring book. <laughs> in Search of Excellence. Oh, I've read it. I love in that In Search book. of Excellence. And when I got 
done with that. There were points, and it was IBM and Hewlett Packard. I think sure. At the time, I remember. And the key to success was the people. Absolutely. And, and no matter how big you are and what your numbers are and what your gross sales and all that, still comes down to the people that sustain at a successful level have great people and take care of them. Yes. And it, it's interesting because right now, safe space whether is being misused. Whether that's the football player? Yeah. Whether that's but I think you guys just articulated what safe space is. It is character, integrity, and honor, making sure that people are maintained and supported. It's not a recess from responsibility. It is about working toward the mission, but making sure it's kind of like the military does where you don't, it's a horrible thing, but nobody even gets left behind. Right, right. You don't leave anybody behind. North Dakota State does not leave anybody behind. You know, my job, I always thought as a leader, as a coach, as a team builder, as all that, my job coaching is to create opportunities for young people to see how good they could be. It is not my job to save them. It's my job to give them an opportunity. Yes, it's their responsibility. To see how good they right. are. Right. It's not my job. And I, I hate it when I had to release a kid from the program because they didn't get it. They didn't make choices. After running laps, after doing burpees, after doing bear crawls, after get your butt to class, be here on time, right. do all those little things I think that make you successful. And I did it, and I did it, and I did it. And I did it as a head coach. I did not make my assistants discipline the players. I did. It was that important that I think you do all those little things right for you to be successful when you leave. And so I did all that. But at some point in time, if my time's too expensive, that if you don't get better along the process, I can't do it anymore. I need to release you, and I hated doing that. But, again, my job is not to save them. I've given them a chance to save themselves. Right. 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 Create an opportunity. And they and can't figure it out. They have to make a decision. And again, I so There's personal them. responsibility and success. It's not outside you. It's within you. Is that true? Uh, everything's from within, yeah. yeah. We want to blame everything. We always have a tendency to blame everything externally. No. But it's internally. It, it, it's really, it really is. You're right, Coach. That's who you bring in to NDSU athletics. You bring in people that best you can ascertain is they have that mindset. Is it a mindset? Is it more than a mindset? Commitment to be as good as they can be. Right. So that's, and you want to be he talked about toughness. He talked about this. He talks about working out. He talked about all that. But you know what it is? It's a commitment to take the skills that God gave him yeah. and maximize them yeah. and be as good as he can be. And then let's not put a score on that. Let's not put a level it's on a process. Well, it's a personal achievement to use the tools that you have wow. and get to as high a spot as you can and understand. Yeah, right. I think, Coach, I think the other thing, though, is as a leader, it's helping the people on your team, the people that you're coaching, the people that you're leading, helping them to be energized, helping lay out for them a path to success. They still have yes. to do the work. I'll give you an example. So, so, so one of the things as a manager, no one ever taught me how to be a manager, but I would reflect back on the great coaches that I had, okay, and the life experiences that I had. I think what I had experienced, Paul, is there's so many young people that are so hungry for positive support coaching, okay? And I would say to the younger people, look, it, we're going to go into a 360. We're going to sit around and we're going to compare talent. 
let me put it to you this way. I'm going into a sales call. Now, for the next 12 months, I need you to help me build my case so I can get you the maximum possible in terms of opportunities, pay, promotion, being put on lists. Help me help you. I, so I kind of reflected yes. it back on them. I, now, this is no courses of action. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Brigadier General Legwald talked about courses of action in a recent podcast. And there's a transition from a student athlete at any level from having the course of action shown to them and then the decision to go through to the ability as a professional to determine the course of action and then execute. But the thing that's interesting is the decision to execute is so based in my opinion, my humble opinion, on student-athlete experience because they they learn through the coaching and the good advice that they get that, wow, if I execute that, I get a result. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about it? Please expound. Okay. I think in, in this particular case that I was citing, the employee could internalize that. So look, there's no guarantee, but we can build a case. And it may take a couple of years, but you know what? If the average amount of time that somebody is at a certain job grade is, let's say, three years, maybe if we work together, years is only two and a half or two. No promises, but I'm here for you. And they love that. Peter, nobody ever talked to me that way. That's so great. You know, so I think it's a lost art. I think a lot of managers don't get that. Well, I want to go back to Coach's example of the special teams player. And I forgot. What's his name? Johnny Denton. This guy. I want to meet yes. this guy. Yes, the role player, the epitome of the role player, but there, there's. But he knocked it out of the park. Yes, and there's a difference. He wasn't taking a seat on the bus, right? He was an integral part of it. He was going to just maximize that position. I forget what book it is. I think it's actually called Peak Performers. One of the things that comes back to me is the author talks about a toll booth employee that maximizes that role. And they're all in on that role. And I think there needs to be realism added to, well, let me let me qualify this in that I don't think it's accurate for parents to say, you can be anything you want, Johnny or Jane. I don't think that's right because you come into the world with competencies and genetics and skills so that what the coach does is shows you where you fit and how to maximize what you're doing. You get a third-party assessment that's not your mom and dad. Sure. I believe that this is really integral, and I'd like you guys to comment on that with the context of North Dakota State football and your experiences, because this is a hypothesis. I don't know this to be true. So that's like one of my interview questions is, what do you guys think of that? I think it's, I think it's about... I go back to being as good as you can be, but that's a broad scope. First, what's your passion? What's really important to you? What do you want? You can't be great at everything. Yes. So that's the truest. What's your What's your passion? Find your passion and commit to be as good as you can be. You obviously have some wherewithal, some talents because you're attached to it. Yeah, and everybody's but got talents, right? Everyone's got different. Yeah, But let's take that and be passionate about that and say, I'm going to be the best there is. But more than best there is, I'm going to be the best I can be. Because you know 
if everyone is just as good as they can be, it's a pretty good world. Okay. It, it really is. And so to steal your nomenclature from before, lean into it. Chin down. Chin down, lean into so, it. I love it. So let me ask you guys this. Okay. I'm so, making a t-shirt. Yeah, chin down and three X. Three X. Three X. And, 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 yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Me too. Sadly, three X. But uh, no, so 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 we don't need an extra long though. I need an extra long. I do too. To cover, my tummy. to cover my tummy. But back in the day, I was a V. Now I'm an inverted V. But anyway, so question for you guys. I guess we still love you, Pete. Okay, thanks, no. Buster. So, uh, so, so I got a trivia question. Okay. So question for you guys. I mean, my parents always said, yeah, I don't know if they did or not, but I heard if all you're doing is digging ditches, be the best ditch digger there is. Yes. Okay. okay. And, 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 be comfortable. Yeah, yes. The, the, you I'm know, busting it out here. I'm as good as I can be, right. and I'm comfortable right. with that. Yeah. See, and I look in, not out. Right. right. And yeah. I've always felt okay. If, if you're going to be yes. a ditch digger, be the best one that there is. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, coach, to what you said earlier, if you can find your passion, pursue it, but pursue it with realism. Like you want to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Okay. You, you, are you? Okay. I might be missing Good, good. So, okay, maybe you, you can't be that, but coach a football team or get a job with the Packers. Or I guess my point is if you can monetize that passion, you're really going to be happy. Or yes. be practical enough that, okay, my passion is not monetizable. I don't know if that's a word. So I'm going to work my ass off during the week so that on the weekends, I can pursue my passion yeah. that is not monetizable. That's another way. I think you guys, you embrace the suck, you get your head around things, and that's another way to be the best that you can be. I need to, I need to tell a story about a guy. Yeah, please do. A guy, my dad. My dad was a farm kid. He quit high school after the ninth grade because his dad wouldn't let him play football. My dad's 6'2", 220, and 5% body fat, right? So, beast. Animal. Beast. And this is 50 years ago. 60 years ago. But he was a mechanic. He, he did body, and then he owned a gas station, and then he ended up, we ended up at the end being a, a wheel lemon guy. So, he's sitting in this pit, pulling on rusty bolts and fixing, and he was great. He had friends that were doctors and lawyers, and he had friends that were gone that were garbage guys, and he was friends with all of them because they respected him. He was really good at what he did, yeah, and he good. was really tough, yeah. right? Yeah. And, he, and he treated people all the way, and he raised 12 kids. And when you talk about the toughness and the leaning forward, and I mean, my guy is sitting in a pit in the middle of summer pulling on racing the stock. The only thing I knew is, and I always say this, that he never had time to arbitrate. So he'd line all 12 of us up and knuckle it. And he said, Dad, I didn't do it. He said, you did something. <laughs> so I'd either one knuckle ahead or one knuckle behind. But he's coming the game. <laughs> he was a great softball player. You know what he later on. And, but he just said, if I can't be in athletics, why am I in school? And, and he was not. He had, he had a lot of native intelligence. Yeah. He just made the choice. And then again, put a bunch of us out there that I think can understand what life's all about. There, there's so much depth in those kind of stories. And one thing that I came to mind to point out is the perennial consistency of being a student athlete and offering it. It's not decades, it's been I think it's centuries. 
Yes. That, you know, in the 1800s, I don't know what athletics were. I'm actually kind of interested to look, but man, the last century is so consistent in creating fine young people, men, women, it doesn't matter. Coach, earlier you talked about you talked about the band and how that has so many of the so much crossover to it's athletics. You're physical. There's a competitive. You're training. I, I mean, we're not. I love football. Yes. And I see the teamwork. Yes. You know, and their performance. They rely on each other. Yes. Like football. Like any. Yeah. Or an organization. And, and so the learning happens in band. And you got the flags. Yeah. Same thing. And then you got the lead trumpet, right? Yeah. And then you got the, and, and you have, everyone has a different role, and everyone has a different level in that role. Yes. And you accept your role. Yes. And you and do you, it for the team. And you and execute. And, you, and you're proud of your role. Yeah. And then you go have fun as a team. You have a Christmas party. And you have a Christmas <laughs> party. And you, and you, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. celebrate those. Hard, play hard. And, and we're back to your comment about interpersonal relationships to actually get stuff done. Trust and loyalty and the way it comes out. And that's based on character, ethics, all the things that matter. Doing what you say you're going to do. If I'm proud of anything, I really work hard. To, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it. I just think that's all. And then you get into sales and you get into people fast talking and you get to that fast and I've always thought this. People are so afraid of saying, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's the best thing to do. And you know what? And so you make something up, and then it doesn't no. go to fruition. Bad and, idea. And then you break down all of that, whatever relationship you built. Yeah. So it's, I don't know is not an embarrassment, but I'll find out, and I'll get back. In and, and see, I think that goes back to, like, the depth chart player who's not as talented, who makes a mistake, and the starter creams them, but they get back up, and they give it their best, and they challenge them, and there's learning. Learning happens. That's a different version of that. A role to play in the team. Yeah. And I think yeah. that goes into right exactly what you're saying, teaching ethics and morals and character. I think, I think a lot that, of people want a shortcut. There's no shortcut. Well, there people take them. But... Do you think there's shortcuts, Coach? No, there's no shortcuts to long-term, steady success. There are no shortcuts. Oh, I think it's that. I think short-term, instant gratification. I mean, yeah. yes. The graph I showed you guys had this lower quadrant, which was pleasure. And, and we were talking about the other one is pain and force. The other one is kind of lethargy and pleasure. And both of them had injury limits. So if you do nothing, we have health. We have mental, we have emotional injury because we're not now ready to, and in the podcast, we're not now ready to handle what comes at us. On the other end of things, if you keep trying to chase improvement, do the best you can be, all the things you guys have already said, you stay in a more productive quadrant and your life improves, I think. that I believe this is true. I don't think that be the best you can be is just about work. It's about marriage. It's about raising kids. It's about yeah. family. It's about friends. It's about being the best you can be is not always about career. They're not mutually exclusive, right? No, I, I would agree. I mean, I think it's doing the right things. You know, Paul, you showed us, and I agree, you know, there's a continuum. And sometimes being tough means you're going to be uncomfortable, okay? 
you know, for example, become comfortable being uncomfortable. Right, right. You, you know, and it's that discomfort that is necessary. Okay. So for example, you know, I was recently diagnosed with a little bit of high blood pressure. Okay. Well, it's going to suck because I got to walk more and I got to bite more and I got to watch what I eat more. And you know what? That sucks because it was just kind of fun just not doing anything and eating and drinking whatever I wanted, you know? I identified people in the organization that had a job that I just thought was cool or really wanted, you know? And I would get on their calendar and I would go to meet them and I'd say, I think what you do is really cool. How did you get there? And they would share with me the different jobs that they had at 3M or other companies, okay? And I would do that one, two, three, four people. And you would identify commonalities, okay? So in my case, now three has changed, but in my case, I'm in Europe. I'm living on the economy, but I'm getting my master's in business. And there's all these high flyers coming to 3M Europe where I'm a student. And every one of them had started out as a sales rep. And I'm thinking, well, shit, I can talk to customers. Okay, they all were sales reps. You better be a sales rep. Okay, and then what were their marketing programs and these sorts of things? So you start to put, you know, and it was through talking to people, and people love to talk about themselves, what they did, you know. Uh, so then I knew to talk to customers. I'm going to be a sales rep. And from there, every job I ever wanted, there were two things. I talked to people that were in the jobs I wanted. And the other thing that I did, I made sure that the current job I was doing was better than anybody else. So what I want to do for the listener, and especially people in your generation, is pull out what you just said. So number one, you were dedicated self-improvement. Oh, yeah. And I want you to correct me if I miss this, by the way. So I'm trying to summarize for the listener. So the other thing that you did is you were absolutely adamant about the mission of the organization that you worked with and your role. So you wanted to maximize your role in that position to the extent you were in. So you wanted to add skills, knock that out of the park. So go ahead. Well, I don't know if, you know, that, that ended up being the result. So in other words, this guy is in a role doing that for me is an absolute flipping dream. How do I get there? So he or she would tell me the types of things that they did. Then I, in turn, Paul, took that information and okay. activated it, if you will. And, okay, what are the skill sets I need? What are the experiences I need? What are the jobs along the way that I need to get to where that individual is? So it sort of... Uh, let, let, let's stop you right there. And the, what you just said encapsulates a mindset that's so productive. And if we can hire for that, bring that into our organizations, people that want to maximize their impact in their current role. And that dovetails right back into Bison football. And Paul, Paul you're right. He hasn't been talking he, about a specialty player being it, a backup. Yeah, yeah. understanding your role Not, and guys, it, the it, very best you it, can it, in it, that role. It, it really does. Let me give you a story. Let me give you a story. So the guy that I'm working with at 3M, his son is recruited by the Badgers. His son is a beast offensive line. His son is struggling a little bit because it's a whirlwind. This kid's from Menominee, Wisconsin, and he's got the physical God-given talent. Where'd he go? He went to Wisconsin. So I said to him, I said, listen, how many first, second rounders did they have? Oh, God, they had a ton. That you guys developed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the we meantime, have... what I said to his son, 
You should have come in. Well, uh, besides that, you know, and, and I've talked to Paul about that, but that's beside yes. the point. In the meantime, what I said to him is identify people in your position group in your room who you aspire to whether it is all big 10 all american i got or, it, I got or it. they make they I make the it. academic progress that you aspire to and live in their back pocket and do what they do so ian the point is identify those people those jobs who you aspire to make sure they're good people yes and I then replicate they what they've done at the end of the day yep it's a, you got they got to be good people do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have that basis. And, and, I'm and going to go back to be relentless. So be relentless yeah. in finding out. Sorry, guys. No, you can. It's all your awesome, Pete. Way to go, man. You have this, but I still think the core is maximize. Be as good as you can be. Oh, absolutely. Because sometimes and I desire for that, right? You want to beat this. That's guy. what you just said. And you maybe can't. No, and you don't have the physical tools or the mental tools or whatever. But be the, freaking the best mental tools. I think if you, we're talking, talking about mental tools. We're talking about developing tools. In general, on the bad days when you're trying to do exactly what you guys just described, we're not talking about and physical it, limitations. No, 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 no. We're talking about emotions. And yeah, we're talking and about mental tools. Yes. The whole thing has been about mental So in Do Hard Things by C. Magnus, he talks about the point that you need to compete. I talked about this on the way up. At a point, you understand that the shit's going to happen. And you mentally prepare for it. Embrace the suck. You embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. That's the lean forward thing, I think. Yes. talked about the chin down and lean forward and goddamn it. But, but what happens it. with young people, especially, is they don't understand their capacity. Remember that oh. I have force and pain, and at some point, if you have too much force, you get injured. Also, within activity, you get injured with cardiovascular, all this kind of thing. But on the on the upper end, with what you're trying to ex uh, establish and progress in whatever role you're in, you have to continually and consistently apply effort toward an objective with intention to get something done. I mean, if I think we've shortchanged our young people. Uh, please go, please go, take off. You gotta be happy and life's fair. And I just- Life isn't fair, you're think, right, coach. It's not happy, it's not no. fair. Life's life. Again, yeah. I think you, we've shortchanged young people on the skills to handle a life that's not fair, a yeah. world that's not fair. And you work hard. And again, we've talked about, Ian, you didn't hear all this. And it's an old adage. When preparation meets opportunity, we call that luck or you call it success, you call it with it. But without the preparation, it doesn't and the toughness to prepare long enough until you intersect with opportunity. Yes. So it's about preparing and then hanging in long enough because if you quit too early, opportunity is going to fly by you, right? Okay. So you have to hang in until prep runs into opportunity and then you have, you win football games, yeah. you have success, you get a great job. So what's the coach's role in that or the manager in the private sector? What's that? To the great days are easy. I think a you know, manager is helping your people work through the not so good thing. Your chin down and lean forward, and you know what? It's going to happen. 
It doesn't happen on your time frame. If you stay the course, your preparation eventually is going to hit the opportunity. You're going to get lucky when stay in the course. It's about having a Before believing. The, Ian has been standing here for a long time. He's got a job to do. Ian, I think you need to get us each to sound off. Now, what resonated with you as a young man that you could use? Just like having that drive. Like, just don't, like, not taking the easy route. Like, I mean, shit's going to get hard. Just got to deal with it if you want to be happy, man. That's so cool. Yeah. Ryan. Megan? Ryan. Yes. Yes. Jacked up by these guys. Oh, dude. It's going to be, really? be pumped for this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, it's good. As long as you control your own destiny, and as long as you understand that, and don't blame other people, and then that is, I'm just going to, I got to work hard. I just got to keep leaning. Leaning and forward. Leaning, it'll get you there. Yeah. That in your academics, if you do it, eventually you'll get there. And then once you get out of that, once you get a great The significant, I'm going to put that t-shirt together. The significance of the phrase, lean forward. It's like lean into it, man. Give it your best. Embrace the suck. The integration of God, that thing we're talking about, so live fun. your best life. So fun. It's so powerful. And I hope that the listener through this conversation has enjoyed not only, but also benefited from the insight, like the rest of the story. And what matters in what we're doing. Yeah. And if you guys could lay out for the listener, including you, Ian, because you haven't hung in here. I really appreciate it. God bless you. I would, yeah. I would love it. So we'll have you go last. But what are your takeaways or messages to the listener based on the conversation today that they might be able and willing to implement in pursuit of their very best life? Well, I, I think it's, you know, we talk about embracing the suck. Look at when God gives you lemons, really make lemonade. Okay, that that's number one. Number two, have a plan. It doesn't have to be detailed or whatever, but look around you. What seems to work? What doesn't seem to work? And adjust your activities, your mindset around those things that seem to work. Number three, don't take the easy road. Okay, I remember having to take French, having to take the hardest math in junior high, having to take the hardest math in high school. I'm so glad my parents pushed me that way because you know what? It kept doors open. And that's such good advice for parents right now. Listening. Yes. Yes. And keeping those doors open. Let them them pursue difficult. Yeah. You know, keep those doors open because you don't know what you're going to be. I changed my major eight times at North Dakota State. Eight times. And the only reason I got a degree in industrial engineering is I could handle the math, I could handle the science, and it kept open maximum number of doors. So at the, at the end of the day, so work hard, embrace the suck, yep. okay, and keep your options open. And I don't think nobody's lucky, but if you keep those doors open and the options open, good opportunity is there for you. Really, finally, Paul, let me say one thing. Yep. God doesn't give you what you can't handle. God bless. Pete, I'd like you to add one more thing, and I want you to aim this at 3M. I want you to give them advice based on our conversation today. Well, I think I love that company. I gave them 32 years of the very best that I could. I think embrace your people. Your people have the answers. Value your people. They have the answers. And you've got a lot of veterans right now on the sidelines that are willing to go back and help you find your way. That's what I would say. Okay, go back. 
outstanding and you know we got to move on you're a good friend buddy you guys are so awesome we got to go to coach coach fill it in what should the listener take away from today? well i think that you know i think i worry so much about young people that life's supposed to be fair and you got to be happy all the time no one can deliver that no. you have childhood cancer you have tragedy no one can deliver happy no one can deliver fair, and it's not. And I think we're shortchanging our young people when we don't train them to understand life's hard, but it's great if you embrace it and you rub and be as you good as you can be. Keep your chin down. And I, so I think we're selling our young people short because they have to be happy and they have to be fair. And I think some of the things we deal with today is because they can't handle that life's not fair. And I'm not happy. And what is happiness? And, you know, for me, happiness is a euphoric state that goes by on occasion. Whether it's in your marriage or your job or whatever you do. But if you keep your chin down and lean forward and hang in there, that euphoric state will come back. It'll go by. The rest is Multiple times. Multiple times. The rest is life. The rest is dealing with adversity, dealing with disappointment, and just keep leaning forward because the happiness will come. And I think all that, and I think we're really leaving our young people short in that the whole happiness and fairness deal is not a reality. It's not a reality. So I think just that. I love people. I love coaching. I love touching people. I love trying to make a difference. My takeaways and what I've learned, because when I listen to people like you guys, I learn so much. Sometimes it's a reminder and sometimes it's new and it doesn't matter which one it is. But for me, the recommitment and doubling down on being able to accelerate young people's success is I'm so much more motivated after listening to you guys because you have dedicated all your actions to that. You've dedicated your actions to making sure partially through Bison football, but also through everything you've done beyond in creating a situation where young people and your subordinates, again, whether they're young or old, can maximize their input and therefore have the best life as opposed to waiting for someone to do something. And I think the ability to wait and be patient and continue to apply what you do, I've learned from you guys, is a huge component of mental toughness. Staying in there, leaning forward, doing what you want. To me, that's a huge takeaway for me. And how do we as managers bring that into our organization so that we can motivate our people to do it? And you guys were so explicit about expectation. And then the behaviors that follow that in order to create the behaviors that deliver the quality and the result. So those are things that I brought through. We have the blessing of young Ian sitting here listening to this conversation. He probably feels immense pressure. (laughs) But that's okay. And I am so grateful for you listening to the end of this conversation. And we are, all of us, I think, really interested in what you have to say now as a takeaway 
for people listening? I uh, kind of like a like a takeaway like for them like what to think about. I guess what you're trying to say. Yes. I mean, like kind of what I was like thinking about more is when you're talking about like the Rogers Rogers and Brady thing. Like, I mean, they're not people that they're gonna be like working like for like forty hours, not putting in any overtime. You're gonna be like you're gonna have to be grinding. Get with the what was it chin down and brace the suck. Yeah, <laughs> that's from West Point. We we got to we got to attribute that. Yes, give them yeah. credit. Amen. Yeah. But I mean, like, dude, having having like a drive, making your own routine, just doing the most to make sure your life is successful. Of trying to avoid like what is it? Trying to avoid at night, just be like, oh, did I not do enough today? Just keep grinding, man. Yeah, just. That is so fun. That is so fun that you guys, you two veterans, had an impact on this young man. Right? He's an absolutely high-character young man, but the ability to roll this forward is just a thrill. I have a feeling this is going to make big impact on the world. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. We, what? Just, we just wrecked his chance to be successful. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts that... I didn't summarize adequately that you like to leave the book, including you, Ian. Please do. Yeah. I'll start out. I think shoot for the stars. The sky's the limit. Never doubt yourself, okay? If you're willing to put the work in, you'll find your way. You'll find your path, okay? It's not going to be easy, but go for it. Coach? Coach? I would say love life and love people and be as good as you can be, whatever you can. Man. Work hard, and if stuff gets stressful, come to Herd and Horns. We have great service. Give <laughs> <laughs> that guy a raise. Ian, you're on your way, brother. He's looking for a bonus. You're on your way, dog. <laughs> I so appreciate you joining the Fit Professional One podcast. We have had such a good time. Let us know what you really liked about the podcast and what you might be able to reinforce and utilize because we'll learn from that too. In the meantime, go Bison. This is a great place. If you're thinking about North Dakota State University, quit thinking about it and get here. Amen, brother. Let's go, baby. Nice job. Right here. Love you guys. Horns up. Yes, horns up, man. Horns up. That's going to be good.